On his fourth day on the witness stand, Najib Razak explained why he had bought the 460,000 ringgit watch for his wife in Hawaii. It was her birthday, and she was upset that her husband had to leave the vacation early to attend to flood victims back home in Malaysia. By the Malaysian Insight, this is The People versus Najib Razak. Follow us into the courtroom where it all happens. I'm Patrick Teo. Dressed in a black pinstripe suit and a red tie, Najib appeared tired and deep in thought as he entered the Kuala Lumpur High Court today. It was his fourth day on the witness stand, testifying in his own criminal trial. Silently, with his mind preoccupied, he took the lift up to the fifth-floor courtroom and waited in the public gallery for Judge Naslan to come in. He did not chat with anyone, as was his usual practice. After spending three days reading from a prepared written statement, today the ex-Prime Minister will have to field questions from both sides of the court. His lawyer Shafi Abdullah kicked off the examination-in-chief with six more pages of written statement which he had prepared with his client. Shafi's first question was about some documents which the Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission, or MACC, had shown Najib when the XPM was called in for questioning. The documents all bore Najib's signature. Speaking mostly in English, now and then reverting to Malay, Najib said that the MACC had not talked about the authenticity of the signed documents. When the MACC showed him the documents, he had only taken a cursory look at them and did not think to question their veracity. He had told the MACC that he does not remember when he had signed them or who had given them to him to sign. He now has reason to believe that they were forged, he said, and he wishes to have a signature specialist from Australia verify them. Yesterday, Shafi had asked for the court to call in a signature expert, specifically a Dr. Stephen from Australia, to verify the documents. Judge Naslan had instructed the defence to put in a formal request for the court to consider. Shafi's next question was about 1MDB. Najib reiterated that 1MDB was an evolution of TIA, which was the brainchild of the Sultan of Tranganu, not his. It was just a problem that he had inherited when he became Prime Minister, a legacy problem that he had not asked for, he said. He repeated that he did not get involved in the micro-matters relating to 1MDB. His role was to step in for the big issues, he said. SRC was 1MDB's idea, not his, Najib asserted. He was not involved in its decision-making and certainly did not influence the SRC board's decision to appoint him as advisor emeritus in the company. He said that between 2015 and 2016, he had encouraged the MACC to investigate Joe Lowe due to the many questions that had arisen. No one warned me about him when it all started, Najib said. Then, Shafi brought up Najib's credit card purchase in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'll let Yvonne tell you the juicy bits. As you know, in 2014, Najib had charged US$130,000, which converted to about 
466,000 ringgit at the time to his credit card to buy a Chanel watch in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yesterday, he told the court that the watch was a birthday present for his wife, Rosmah Mansour. He said that he had bought the watch for her because she was upset when he had to cut short his time in Hawaii to return to Malaysia where there was a massive flood in the northern state of Kelantan. He wanted to make his wife happy by buying her something that she had chosen, he said. He added that he thought that whatever funds he had in his accounts could be used at his own discretion. The floods that year were the worst the northern state had seen in a decade. Some 42,000 people either lost or suffered damage to their homes and had to be evacuated. The floods that year cost the state of Kelantan, which is already among the poorest states in the country, a staggering 200 million ringgit. Najib said he left Hawaii after playing five hours of golf with President Barack Obama as it had already been scheduled. He didn't want to miss the opportunity to rub shoulders with the most powerful man in the world. And he did this for the country, he said. Incidentally, it is Rosma's birthday today. I wonder what she got as a gift this year. And then it was Attorney General Tommy Thomas's turn to examine the witness. He asked his questions in English. Najib answered in Malay, despite knowing that the AG had a reputation for being weak in the Malay language. Every now and then, however, the former PM would speak in English when he could not think of the Malay term he wanted to use fast enough. Tommy asked Najib why he had elected himself as finance minister. What qualification did you see in yourself that you thought you could be finance minister, the prosecutor asked. Najib said that he had a bachelor's degree in industrial economics. He said that he had given himself the position because he, quote, saw the bigger picture, unquote, and believed that he could improve the Malaysian economy. He added that during his tenure as finance minister, the country's economy grew at an unprecedented rate, even surpassing the four Asian tigers, Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and Taiwan. I'm not bragging, Najib said, but I have delivered as finance minister. Moreover, he wanted to add to his foundational knowledge of economics and did not see any reason why he shouldn't also be finance minister. I had second finance ministers to help me, he said. Najib insisted that he had not abused his power as Prime Minister when he fired his deputy Muhyiddin Yassin and former Rural Development Minister Shafi Abdal during a cabinet reshuffle in 2015. Muhyiddin and Shafi Abdal were both removed from their positions after publicly voicing their disagreement over Najib's handling of 1MDB. I sacked them because they made statements in public when it should have been done in a cabinet meeting, the former PM said. With that, the court paused for lunch, and Najib went off in his waiting black sedan. When proceedings resumed, Tommy brought up the powers the Prime Minister had over the Civil Servants Retirement Fund, KWAP. Yvonne will tell you more. Now, we know that KWAP had loaned SRC 4 billion ringgit, a debt which the present government is still paying off due to government guarantees backing the loan. 
The prosecutor asked Najib if he was aware of the Retirement Fund Act, which is the law under which KWAP was formed. The Act states that KWAP came under the jurisdiction of the Prime Minister while the Finance Minister was responsible for appointing the Retirement Fund's investment panel. Najib said he was aware of his powers over the fund, including the fact that the Finance Minister had the final say on the KWAP CEO's salary. However, he said, he did not have the authority to instruct the bank to approve the loans KWAP hands out. But did you take into account when KWAP lent the money to SRC that SRC would not be able to pay them back? The prosecutor asked. Did you do any risk assessment? I thought SRC was under 1MDB and that the people in 1MDB could be trusted to make the right decisions, Najib replied. It was not the job of the minister in charge to assess the viability of the loans, he added. The prosecutor continued to assert that KWAP had taken Najib's agreement to SRC CEO Nick Faisal Arif Kamil's loan proposal as an order to go ahead with the loan, a point which the former PM vehemently denied. The law states that only KWAP's investment panel could approve the loan it gives out, Najib insisted sounding increasingly annoyed. Why are you saying I approved it? Najib demanded. It's the law, and the law states that they must approve it, not me. If we were all following the law, we wouldn't be here, Tommy retorted. But you are the Attorney General. You should know the law, Najib fired back. Tommy put it to Najib that SRC's five board members were elected to carry out the former PM's will. They were people who would never go against your instructions, the prosecutor alleged. Najib disagreed. They were appointed based on recommendations given to him and based on their respective experience, he counted. But the prosecutor pressed on, saying that he could not find a single instance when the board members disagreed with Najib. The former PM again disagreed. Before allowing court to adjourn, Judge Nazlan reminded Najib not to discuss the case with anyone, as he is still under oath. Shafi told the judge that he still needed to confer with his client, as they have other cases that are intertwined with SRC. The judge allowed this, on the condition that the discussion stays between Najib and his lawyers. The SRC International Trial continues tomorrow. This podcast is produced, written and mixed by Revati Supramaniam, Yapik Kwan and Yvonne Lim. Additional reporting by Ravin Palanisami. I'm Patrick Teo.